Hi, it's Father Rick, and I want to welcome you to St. Michael's Episcopal Church. I'm really glad you found us. Please know that we accept you wherever you are on your spiritual journey, and we trust that God will take you where you need to be, right in God's timing. We're just glad that you're here with us, and we hope you enjoy today's sermon. God bless. Oh God, you are here, Lord. You are here. And we are here. Lord, may we be here together. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. Well, you know, it's probably a good thing that today is, or this weekend is Labor Day weekend, because usually on a weekend like this, church attendance is maybe half of what it normally is. And quite frankly, there's a lot of people that probably don't want to hear what Jesus has to say. And so it's a good thing that this text, this lectionary text, just so happens to follow on Labor Day weekend. I mean, did you catch it? Everybody said, praise to you, Lord Christ. But have you just read what we just said, what Jesus just said? Have you ever thought to yourself that maybe Jesus said some things that You know, I just kind of wish he wouldn't have said that. You know what I mean? And today, in our gospel reading, I would think, for me at least, he makes the top three things that I wish he wouldn't have said. You know what I mean? Things like, hate your father and mother. Hate your children. Hate life itself. How y'all feeling right now? Pretty good? Yeah, yeah. Praise to you, Lord Christ, right? Yeah, take up your cross. Did Jesus really say that? And then I love this one. Renounce everything. How y'all feeling right now? I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. Maybe not, maybe not, maybe not. All right, so where is he getting at? And what this is all about? Well, Jesus had this mindset. Jesus had um, a belief, if you will, that there are two kinds of kingdoms. There's two kingdoms. One is the kingdom of this world, um, and one is the kingdom of God. Essentially, two different mindsets, how to view life, how to understand ourselves, how to understand the world, how to live. Two different ways to live, if you will. One of them, he called it the kingdom of God. And that's what Jesus was all about. And so you could say that there's one way to live is by and for the world's way and its values, right? And then God's ways and God's values. And Jesus in his life, in his ministry, everything he talked about, everything he did was all about this idea of what he called the kingdom of God. That is, where love rules, where love, love, self-giving agape love is the law of the land, where reconciliation, people coming together in healing and forgiving is the way, where wholeness, wholeness of life, what he called abundant life, runs the show, where that reigns, right? And this is what Jesus proclaimed. Everything he did was about this mindset, about this kingdom, what we could say is God's dream for us, right? One way Jesus believed leads to life, the kingdom of God. The other way 
leads to, you could say, death. So, the question then is, which one are you going to choose? The kingdom of God or the kingdom of the world? See, everything that Jesus said, everything that Jesus did was about this kingdom of God. So, he says some things that I really wish he wouldn't have said. You know what I mean? Some hard things. And the story that precedes today's gospel, I think, though, offers us a little context into where Jesus was going with these hard sayings today. Uh, I think it says, why did Jesus say this? Why would he say that? I mean, he had just told a story. He had just told a story to the crowd. He was kind of like Elvis, right? And he was... He didn't have the sideburns, but no, he was kind of like, he had a following. People were coming toward him. People were gathering around him. People were wanting to see and hear and, and, and experience him. And, and so he compared, um, a, he compared the invitation to this kingdom, to this life with God, where salvation and redemption and wholeness, he compared this kingdom, this invitation from, to life with God, to a powerful, wealthy ruler who had threw, thrown a great feast and invited several people to be his honored guest, right? But shockingly, when it came time for the party, these people all these honored guests begin to make excuses as to why they couldn't be there. You know, some had just, one guy says, I just bought a field and I have to go inspect it. I mean, really? <laughs> or I just bought five pair of oxen and I got to tend to them. I just got married so I can't come to your party. I confess. Now, this makes me wonder a little bit what perhaps... Silly excuses that I get, that I have, for not showing up for God's party. What excuses do I make for not accepting the invitation to life with God? What excuses do I make for not participating in God's dream for me and for humanity? And believe it or not, I can understand when we make excuses for religion. I can understand why we don't want anything to do with legalistic religion. I can understand that. I can get it. But I can't understand why we so often make excuses. And it seems absurd that I would take for granted God's invitation to a life of grace, a life of love, a life of forgiveness, a life of mercy, and to live as if I'm separate from God. I mean, doesn't it seem utterly ridiculous that I would snub God's invitation that gives meaning and purpose for my life? What excuses could I possibly justify in rejecting such a gracious and generous offer. And you know what? For years, I did that. I did just that. I rejected it. And sometimes, 
I still do. And I think this leads into what Jesus is trying to get at today. He turns to the crowd and says, Whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even life itself cannot be my disciple. Thank you very much, Jesus. You have a wonderful day. I'll see you on the other side someday, hopefully. No. How can Jesus who literally tells us that the two greatest things that we can give our life to, the things that matter more than anything in life, is to love God with all that we are and to love our neighbor as ourself. How can he make a claim and turn around and tell us to hate parents, to hate children, (laughs) to hate spouses, to hate our brothers and sisters, and even ourselves. How can he do that? I thought he was a God of love. I thought his whole thing was about love. Well, here's the thing. The original Greek word uh, for hate is maseo. Now, maseo, when you look at it in the Greek, it literally means to hate. Can you believe that? It means to hate, to detest, detest. You know, it's kind of like Pitt versus WVU. We hate, we detest Pitt. Can't stand them. But it also has a connotation to it that many translators would say to mean to show or regard with less affection, to love less, or to esteem esteem less. It doesn't necessarily mean animosity per se, ill will or revenge, when it's used in this particular context. Another way of saying it, I think, is, you know, psychologists have a term, what they call leaving home. Yes, I definitely believe that Jesus wants to be number one in my life. Number one... I mean, more important than my marriage, more important than my ministry, more important than anything on the planet, Jesus wants my allegiance to him first and foremost. I used to say, you know, if I get married, I want to marry someone that loves God more than she does me. See, Jesus wants first place in our life. But psychologists have this mean this term called leaving home. Leaving home. And you know, we got to leave home. We got to leave home. I think Jesus might be saying this. The validations, the securities, the illusions, those prejudices that we get, those small little worlds and bubbles that we live in, and the hurts, those things that are always family implied. I think he's saying you need to strip yourself of the rules, of the ideas, of the understandings, of the values that attempt to define you apart from God. And you need to detach yourself from those social and religious and all those cultural creeds in favor of who you really are in God. That there can be nothing that gets in your way, nothing more important than that. 
renounce those toxic and destructive allegiances that have shaped who you think you are and allow me, Christ, to redefine your life on God's terms by discovering your truest and deepest identity in God. Now that, I'm glad he said that. If that has anything, because that's the invitation. Jesus is inviting us to belong to God alone. Not to the Democratic Party, not to the Republican Party. Those are not, okay, y'all with me? Those are not his priorities in this world. Not to belong to the Episcopal Church. Not his priority. Although it's probably not a bad one, right? His priority is for us to begin to belong to God. That God is our priority. And we make God, not religion, folks, not church as we understand it, but this God and this kingdom of God where love reigns. Because nothing, absolutely nothing in this world, not Harvard, not Stanford, not U.S., is more important. That was a joke, y'all. <laughs> nothing is more important because nothing is more important than God because it is our relationship with Jesus that shapes, defines determines, characterizes all other relationships, all other aspects of our lives, who we are, what we say, what we do, how we live, and for what we live. Hate your brothers and sisters. Hate. Put them in their proper place and make the kingdom of God your priority. Jesus then turns around and lays this doozy on him. Are you ready for this? He says, whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Now, we all know in this room what the cross means, right? The Roman government, which occupied those people that Jesus was talking to that day. A cross was a brutal form of execution. We all know that, right? Everybody's aware of that. And Jesus invites them to pick it up and take it on. So that would be kind of a scary thing. And if he invites them, then he must be inviting you all, <laughs> or, or me too. But that's something I wish he wouldn't have said. You know what I mean? Like, I, I much prefer something like, come unto me all you that travail and are heavy laden, and I will refresh you. I'm like, yeah, I like that Jesus, you know? I, I like that Jesus. Surely there's got to be an easier, safer, um, I don't know, more serene alternative to following Jesus than embracing a cross. Now, remember, this is all about the kingdom. And as I look at Jesus' life, so often we hear about what Jesus died for, you know? We hear that Jesus died because he wanted to Save us from our sins. And I get that. And he did experience the cross. But you know, and I think the cross isn't about what Jesus died for. I don't think the cross 
is what Jesus died for, about what Jesus died for. That cross was about what Jesus lived for. See, Jesus lived for the kingdom. Jesus lived to bring us into the reign of God, into this kingdom, into God's dream. He lived for that. That was his priority. The kingdom of God was everything for Jesus, where love and healing and mercy and grace and justice was the rule and reigned in all people, all people. Every one of them, even Pitt fans, are invited to participate in this kingdom. See, Jesus lived for that. And he lived for it so much that the powers and the principalities came against him to attempt to silence him. Isn't that amazing? So that cross, I think, is all about what Jesus lived for. And how God enters fully into our world because God so loved the world that he gave himself to us. See, if we follow Jesus to pick up our cross is an invitation, I think, not only to receive all of life as a gift, but to be reborn to a life where we no longer live solely for ourselves, our small little personal comforts and our little kingdoms, but to open ourselves to God and to God's kingdom and to the needs of others. And like Jesus, to give ourselves away in love. Pick up your cross. See, Jesus is not asking us to prove yourself, to take up our cross is to walk in the way of Jesus, to walk in the way of love by putting your life towards something larger, more meaningful than simply my own creature comfort. Barbara Brown Taylor, an Episcopalian and professor in Georgia, she, she has a book uh, titled Seeds from Heaven. It's a lot of her sermons. And, and she explains this this way. Listen to this. She says, God doesn't want me to be happy. God doesn't care about my comfort and my safety. The resounding answer, according to this morning's passage, is no. No, God does not care about my comfort and safety. God does not care about whether I'm happy or not. Y'all loving this so far? <laughs> what God cares about, get this, with all the power of God's holy being, is the quality of my life. Not just my life, mind you. Not just the continuation of my breath and the health of my cells, but the quality of my life, the depth of my life, the scope of my life, the heft and the zest of my life. The deep secret of Jesus' hard words to us in this passage is that our fear of suffering and death robs us of life because fear of death always turns into fear of life, into a stingy, cautious way of living that is not really living at all. The deep secret of Jesus' hard words is that the way to have abundant life is not to save it, but to spend it 
to give it away because life cannot be shut up and saved any more than a bird can be put into a shoebox and stored on a closet shelf. Jesus' words are not an invitation to follow Jesus into death. Jesus' words for us today is an invitation to follow Him into life, both now and later on, on the other side, to where to be where God is. That's the invitation. To follow Jesus means receiving our lives as gifts instead of guarding them as possessions. It means sharing the life we've been given instead of bottling it up for our own consumption. Hate your parents. Hate your wife. Hate your children. Hate life itself. Pick up your cross. Renounce everything. These are things I wish Jesus had not said. But I am so deeply grateful that he did. Because in doing so, Jesus invites us into a life that we are created for. A life lived, a life defined, and a life endowed by God. And that is the beauty of this invitation. We started this morning our service the opening hymn called The Summons. You familiar with that, Andrew? And it says, Will you come and follow me if I call your name? Will you go where you don't want to... Will you go where you don't know and never be the same? Will you let my love be shown? Will you let my name be known? Will you let my life be grown in you? In you in me will your love will you love the you you hide if i call your name will you quell the fear inside and never be the same will you use the faith you found to reshape the world around through my sight and touch and sound in you and in me. Lord, your summons echoes true when you but call my name. Let me turn and follow you and never be the same. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you liked today's message, please subscribe to our podcast and be sure to tell your friends. You may also check us out on YouTube at youtube.com backslash St. Michael's Orlando. Until next time, remember, God loves you with a love you did not earn, and therefore, you can never lose.